0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, when Sarah and I first got engaged, um, people were shocked. Because they didn't even know that we were, I was dating anyone because we really didn't date. If you guys know our story, Sarah was in Korea, I'm in the States, and then all of a sudden, I just one day announced that we're engaged, and people were like, who? <laughs> that was a good news, because you have to understand, I was 36 years old. For a Korean-American, That's you're old. You're, you're, Even back then, you were considered, you're an old bachelor. So it was a really good news. But that news wasn't the great news because that news was a preparation for the better news that was to come, which is the wedding, right? Because it was the preparation. We, the invitations had to be going out, the date had to be set, things were prepared for the big day. And when that marriage happened, that was a celebration, right? That was the climax. I can tell you that after 16 years of being married, and wonderfully, nobody cares about that news. The only people who care about our marriage is Sarah and me. I mean, we celebrate our anniversary, and I'm not saying anything bad about it. This is great. In fact, we, we love it. But if I were to say, Sarah and I are married, it's like, so what? That's old news. Big deal. What was a great news, good news that we and the whole community and church celebrated with me is no longer a great news because it's old news. And sometimes we take the good news and what its impact in our life, and later over time, the good news have become old news. The good news is no longer as good as when we first heard it. And we forget how good it is. Sometimes the church treats the gospel of Jesus Christ as old news. The good news as old news. The gospel, which means the good news, is treated as yesterday's news. I don't know if you guys can relate with this. We might have heard the gospel told when we first came into faith. We might have heard the gospel many years ago when we were younger, when we first started coming to church. Or you've been coming to church for so many, many years, and you've heard the gospel shared about Jesus. You know about Jesus. And so whenever the gospel is shared to you again, it's almost as if we are desensitized and say, I know this story, and we turn out, turn on our phone, and we don't think the good news is that good. Sometimes we forget how good the Gospel is. Sometimes we treat the gospel as old news, and we fail to remember that gospel is so good that it is to be shared. And the litmus test to how we think the goodness of the gospel is is whether we are sharing it or not. So when was the last time we shared the gospel? And this is not a conviction to, like, shame you or make you feel bad. It is a reminder. Sometimes the church has to come back to, hey, let's have a reset. Let's have a restart. The reason we come to church is because of Jesus, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done. If we proclaim Christian faith, if we proclaim that we are followers of Jesus, we need to know the gospel And if we know the gospel, the gospel must be proclaimed if we know the gospel. And so we are coming back to that little reset and to remind the church the fundamental basics of our faith, to know the gospel and to make it known. Because when we are without either knowing the gospel or to make it known, we are failing in our call. As believers and followers of Jesus Christ. So, starting this morning across all of our resting place campuses, we are going to look at the good news. The good news to knowing the gospel and to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the objective is very simple to recognize the good news of how good it really is. Amen? All right. So, let's first start with defining the gospel. What is the gospel. The gospel is so readily used today that we may think that we know the gospel when we really don't. I mean, there's gospel music. That's not gospel. It's a genre of music. Even non-believers say, hey, there is the gospel truth, and they're talking about something completely irrelevant to Christian faith or Jesus Christ. But they use it as an idiom to say, this is absolute truth. And there's many other uh, secular and non religious terms that they use the word gospel to emphasize authority and truth of behind something, but Jesus is nowhere in it. So gospel, what is it? The word gospel comes from an Anglo Saxon word meaning God spell, God spell, which means. Glad tidings or good news. It comes from the original Greek word euangelion. Okay, that's the noun form of the gospel. Eu, E-U, which is good prefix. Sort of when we say eulogy, it's a good word for somebody who had passed away. That's the prefix. Eu is good. And Angelion, (laughs) it's it's all Greek to me. (laughs) Angelion is where we get angel or message. Okay? Good news, good message. That's what euangelion, the gospel, means. How the word evangelion was originally used, it was a celebratory good news to say, we won. It's about victory term. So imagine first century or back in the ancient times. Your king goes to war. is out in the field somewhere. And they win. They would send a messenger back to the city to proclaim, we won, we won, and everybody celebrates before the king even comes. And they would prepare for a, a parade as the army returns back. It's a celebratory. It's evangelion. It's the good news. We won. That's the term, okay? And it's something that you celebrate. It is proclaimed. That word is not about keeping it quiet. It is about let everybody know we won. Okay, but then Jesus comes along. Jesus always likes to, you know, shift things around. He comes into, he begins his ministry, and this is very beginning, right after um, his baptism in the desert. He begins his ministry. He comes uh, back to Nazareth, his hometown. He he's at on a Sabbath day at the synagogue. He's given the opportunity to read from the Scripture, a public reading. And they give him the scroll from Isaiah. He reads from chapter 61, what we know as chapter 61, but it's a scroll. Right? He reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he wrote up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And, all, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I want you to just reflect on that. Jesus comes and says that good news has arrived i am that good news he has anointed me to proclaim the good news he was the good news he was saying i here i am they want to kill him for that you understand yeah. he was the evangelion incarnate in the flesh and he's saying da da And they they literally wanted to throw him off the cliff. Jesus is the gospel, the good news that this world was waiting for. The world was in shock. His community, his friends who knew him growing up, he comes and says, "I, I am the good news. I am Isaiah 61. All that prophecy, here I am. People didn't know what to do with it. That gospel is centered on John 3.16, and we know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The good news, the gospel, the greatest news in the history of mankind since the fall, since the creation and the fall was this, that God himself, creator of the universe, came. He sent his only son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. God so loved you that he gave himself to die on the cross in your sight. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What? What? God himself coming in the flesh that I might be saved, I might be delivered, I might be removed from the sins of all of my mistakes. I mean, come on. It's almost incomprehensible because it is so good. But here is Jesus saying, ta-da, here I am. I am the good news who has come. You know, the good news of Jesus And let's recognize the goodness. We don't deserve that goodness. We don't deserve anyone to come and save us, deliver us, to take away our sins, to take away our mistakes. I mean, can you imagine how many times have you done something stupid that you regret and wish that you could take back? And you realize you can't go back in time. There's nothing you can do to remove that. And how many regrets that we have gone through in our life because of those regretful moments. And here is Jesus. I remove all of those sins, all of those mistakes. That which you had nothing and you were powerless to remove, I have. And I would do so with my own life to save you. It's too good. We share that. We tell that. In the church, out of the church. But the problem is, How many of you guys have shared the gospel with somebody and like, oh, that's great, I know about Jesus, I know about your religion, I know about all those things, but I don't need the saving. I mean, that's good for you, but I don't need the saving. And They don't know how good that is. They don't know the significance of the gospel because they think, why do I need to be saved? That terminology, that lingo makes no sense to me. People have heard the gospel, but fail to recognize their condition and need for a Savior. Or what God came here for. What Jesus came to do to deliver you, to proclaim freedom from your oppressions. I don't think too many people recognize. We can't appreciate the gospel unless we recognize our need for the gospel. There will come a time when God will judge, not for the good things that you've done, but the bad. I want you to consider that. God will judge the whole world that one time, that one day. It will not be for the good that you have done. It will be for the sin. We, when I say we, the world Somehow thinks that when I am judged, it's like the justice scale. You do more good, that way outweigh the bad. How many people think that or thought that? But no matter how much you do good, does not erase the sin that has been committed. That sin is the blemish. That sin is the, the darkness, the chasm that separates the holy God from the sinful man. It is the divide. It is the wall. It is the separation. And no matter how much good you do to offset that scale you thought that existed, it does not erase the sin that exists that you have committed. I remember when I was an unbeliever. If somebody asked me, if there is a heaven or hell, or if there is a heaven and hell, which do you think you would go to? And I remember the answer. I said, oh, hell. If there is a hell, I deserve hell. Because I knew. I knew my thoughts. I knew my corruptions in my heart. I knew how I dishonored my parents, how I behaved, and how I stole or cheated people. I knew if there was sin and there was a judge, I deserved hell. I recognized that. I was being very honest. I was like, hey, I know what I deserve. So when a friend of mine shared the gospel, shared about Jesus and how he came, how he died, how he suffered, the humiliations and and how he paid the price of my sins, what I deserved, I couldn't comprehend, no, that's too good. But as he shared it, I started tearing up. Why would anyone pay for my mistakes, my sin, my judgment? I deserve hell. I deserve that punishment. And you're telling me someone else paid for that, is willing to do that in my stead as a substitution? It it was incomprehensible. But I believed. I believed because it was so good. And when I believed it, I, you know, it's one of those things like in our Christian circles, you say the sinner's prayer. Like, we as a repeat after me. You confess you with your mouth and believe with your heart and that you are saved. And we take that and have created this formula. I didn't say my sinner's prayer. I didn't say anything. I just heard the gospel and I believed and I teared and I knew that I believed. Do you understand? It was this internal response to what I had heard. And when I heard it, I knew I was a believer because... I believe with full conviction. And then I had this hunger. It's like, I want to know this Jesus who saved me. I want to know what he did. If he did something like that for me, who is he? And I started going to church. I went to multiple churches to, to hear. I started asking my friend. I was like, okay, if it's found in the Bible, I need the Bible. And I'm like telling my sister, I'm telling my family I'm a believer, I'm excited. And my sister was excited. She's like, oh, you need a Bible? Okay, let me get you a Bible. Let me give that to you as a gift. And this is a good heart of my sister. Wanted to give me a gift. A week goes by, I still don't have a Bible. I said, sis, I need a Bible. You understand, this hunger could not be quenched until I knew Jesus. I, I said, I believe. I wanted to know who he is. I couldn't wait any longer. I said, I need that Bible. Give me that Bible. Like I was ready to go go out and I'm going to buy it myself. You want to give me a gift, you better work faster. She gave me that Bible and I'm reading. I tried reading the Bible when I was an unbeliever. I couldn't make sense of it. I become a believer, every word is coming alive. And I'm highlighting every page. I was going through the book of Matthew and I kid you not, every line was like, oh, oh. Like the whole thing's yellow. (laughs) Because God was speaking to me. I believed. I was transformed. I was changed because the Holy Spirit came in me. The Spirit of God came in me, and I was not my own. I was completely different. I didn't even know what the Bible said about, you know, old has gone, new has come, behold a new creation. All of that, I didn't know it. I just knew I was completely different because of the gospel that was in me. Gospel is transformative. Anyone who believes in the good news of Jesus Christ will be changed, will be transformed. He is never the same. The gospel has that power that because the truth of Jesus, of what he has done, you can't deny his power and the authority that is in, that collides with the human flesh. So I believe Utmost. If anyone received the gospel, they would be changed. There is power in that. The gospel is transformative. I remember, <laughs> bear with me here. My conviction of what the gospel is and who Jesus is in the gospel. What he has done in my life and its impact. I am convinced of the power of the gospel. So I have a hard time understanding when people say they're believers and they come to church as a religion. I have a hard time understanding that they say they believe in Jesus but they'd rather do something else than worship God. I have a hard time understanding. I'm not saying, you know, my way ought to be your way. I'm not saying that at all. I just have a hard time comprehending. Maybe those who have been saved much is grateful for much, and I have been saved from a lot. So maybe I am more grateful than others who grew up in the church and that you lived a good life. I, I can appreciate that. But I also believe that if you believe What Jesus has done for you, in you, has given you his spirit and transformed and he's walking with you. If you understand the full grasp of the gospel and the life that Christ has come to give, I just can't comprehend people who just come and like scroll through the phones during the service or occasionally visit or come to church twice a year. It doesn't make sense to me. I would like to challenge, you know religion, but you don't know Jesus. You don't know the gospel. Maybe you thought you didn't need the gospel. I don't know. But I have a hard time comprehending the two. From my experience, from what the scripture says, to what's available for us, to what people are treating it as. You know, many years ago when I was a, fresh out of college, and I was trying to make it in the world, you know. just uh, entry-level jobs, but, like, there was a hope for the future. Starting off as a stockbroker trainee and working up, and they paid so little. I'm talking when you're a trainee in these positions, the pay was almost nothing. So I racked up some major credit card debts. Major. And my justification is, One day I'm gonna land that one whale client and one commission check is gonna pay it all off. That day did not come. (laughs) So first two, three years as I'm trying to build my book of business, I just went deeper into debt that I came to realize I need help. So I got credit counseling. Um, They were able to renegotiate my 30% interest rates of credit cards down to 6%. They took all my credit cards away, right? like, to create the discipline to pay off my debt. And they forced me to give a big deposit. You get that deposit when you complete the program. Because it was about commitment. Do you understand? I did. And after, like, two and a half years, paid it off. Let me tell you, when my debt was all gone, I celebrated. I called my friends. Whew, I finished the program. All my, and we're talking five figures. That was a lot back then lot of bills. All those credit cards gone. I'm debt free. And I celebrate. I told people, and we're going to celebrate, my card. No, I'm just kidding. You Just, you know. But it was a big news. Because how many of you guys can relate? If you had credit card debts and you were like up to your neck, it, it was such a burden. It causes stress. It's a burden. Now, Imagine if somebody were to come and say, "Let me pay all that off for you. everything you owe. I'm going to wipe it clean. I will pay the price. Whatever you owe, 10,000, 50,000? hundred thousand? Pay it off. Would you be grateful? Would you tell other people about it? Or would you be like, "Let me keep this a secret." Who would keep that a secret? you would be so rejoicing, so ecstatic, you'd be dancing. And even if you're not a dancer, you would. Because when the news is that good, it's worth telling. Let me tell you about somebody who did this for me. How much better is the gospel who has taken away your sins and given you eternal life? And not only eternal life well, after you die, but this life that he has come to give you, life to the fullness, the Zoe life. The, even the Isaiah 61 promise, Jesus comes and says, I have come to proclaim the good news, right? It's a year of the Lord's favor. If you guys understand the year of Jubilee and how your debt is wiped off, that's what he's talking about. He came to wipe off the debt, not just of your sins, but he came to wipe off your oppressive conditions in this world. He wants to raise you up to be prosperous. He wants to bless you, not for when you die, for now. That should be so good that you can't shut up about it. That's the gospel. If you know the gospel, anything less than that, then you don't know the gospel. If you've been quiet about it, then you're not, you don't know the gospel If you have been coming to church and it's like, I'm occasionally happy to come to church, you don't know the gospel because Jesus is the gospel. We counter the gospel when we come to church and praise him and join with the church, join with the angels, join with the eternal in the heavenly realm. That's what the gospel represents. The gospel is so good you can't shut up to those who know it. It's like the Samaritan woman. You guys know the story of the Samaritan woman. Jesus is passing through Samaria, is by the well, he encounters this lady who had a shady past. People avoided such a woman. But here's a Jewish rabbi, a teacher uh, considered holy, talks to her, encounters her. And what happens afterward, she encounters, she is given this glimpse that he is the Messiah. He is the prophesied Christ that they have been waiting for. And she thinks, oh my gosh, he is, he's it. And what's the response? Jesus didn't say, oh, go tell the world and, and, and tell me about me. No, she went off in that excitement of this encounter with Jesus and told the whole town of Samaria. So much that the entire town came to Jesus to meet with him, and they believed. And their response was, oh my gosh, we have t- seen. He is the Savior of the world. John 4, 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, the Samaritan woman. He told me all that I have ever do- did. So when the Samaritans came to him and they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word, they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said, what we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. The natural response of those who encounter Jesus, those who encounter the gospel, truth of who the Christ is and what he came to give, the natural response is to proclaim to everyone around you, your town, even the people that you have avoided. Even the people who have rejected you, called you names, She proclaimed it to everyone. She did not rob anyone of the opportunity to know Jesus, and they came to know. You know, sometimes the church talks about evangelism, and some people automatically assume that's the work for pastors or evangelists, as if there's a separation of that role for those who are in leadership, those who are called, those who are trained, and otherwise, it's not for me. Let me do a rewind. The word euangelion is the noun form of the gospel, the good news. Euangelizo is the verb form that says to proclaim or preach the gospel. It's the same word. So often when you read preaching the gospel or proclaiming the gospel it is not three words as we have translation it's one word do you guys understand? meaning if you know the euangelion the natural response is euangelizo you know the gospel you act on the gospel it is the act of knowing the gospel where is the example I have Luke 9, 6, they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. That preaching the gospel is one word, Yoangelitzo. Preaching the gospel. I'm just sharing that if you know the gospel, Yoangelion, you're going to, Yoangelitzo. That sounds Greek and Italian at the same time. <laughs> Did you know that you are called to preach the gospel? Did you know that you are called to evangelize? Evangelizo is where we get the word evangelism or evangelize. That's the active uh, verb form. But Jesus gave this great commission in Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. You can look up different translations and that to all creations, to all creatures, to all people, to all nations. To everyone, preach the gospel. The prep, yeah. Second Timothy 4, 5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So let's put this into perspective. Good news is only good if you believe it's good. Good news It's good only if you believe it's good. And if you believe it's good, you're going to celebrate its goodness. And I realize that goodness, what we think is good, is subjective. Your opinion, my opinion, whatever. But the gospel is good to all. The whole, you just have to recognize for what it is. If you don't think it's good, then you're missing a portion or understanding of the gospel you got to know. If you truly believe the gospel of Jesus is good, then you get excited about it. You fall in love with Jesus. You treat Jesus as your first love, not as a mistress. You guys know the difference? You shouldn't, but, you, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> we treat our first love in a public declaration of the proud heart says, that's my woman. I will confess it in public. My woman, I love her. Mistress, you shame. You cover it up. You do it in secret. I don't understand. If you know Jesus, if you know the gospel, you don't say, this is my personal faith as if you're treating Jesus as a mistress. Never in the Bible does it say, You treat Jesus in such a way that you are ashamed to declare who you love. To know the gospel is our duty and responsibility. It is our call. It is our call. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been entrusted with the gospel. Jesus Christ, God's own son, for God so loved the world, he came, he came, he died. In our stead, as a substitution to pay for your sins. If you believe that, if you confess with your mind, believe with your heart that He is the Lord, then you will be saved. Salvation, that's the gospel. But He didn't come just to, for your death and life in the heaven, He came for you to have the life now, in the fullness. Let me close with this verse from Romans 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We're going to look at the practical steps to sharing the gospel, evangelism in the next couple of weeks. We're going to go the practical way so that what does it look like in your life? But I need you to first start with, do you know the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? And what are you going to do about it? What is our response? What is the appropriate response to knowing Jesus and what He has done for us? And maybe self-reflection. Lord, Lord, Have I been treating you as my first love or as a mistress? Have I been sharing about my faith to others? Why not? I'm ready. And if you're ready, Lord, who do you want me to evangelize? Who do you want me to share the good news to? And you'll be surprised. The Lord's going to bring to, like, images, names, people in your life that you know. And he's going to say, talk to so-and-so. I was sharing... um, earlier during the huddle Sarah shared the story this week and it was amazing my wife when they, she was in college she had four friends that they did everything together they said to travel go on all these uh outings non-believer and they looked at Sarah because she, she was the part of the mission group with YWAM and she was devout Christian and all those things so I mean they looked up to her in certain way And one friend asked her, Sarah, you go on all these mission trips to evangelize, to to talk about Jesus, to, to strangers over there. Why won't you share that with me? So Sarah took her to a cafe, shared the gospel, and she believed, she came in saving faith. How many of your friends might wonder, when is my friend going to share? I know she's a believer, I have some questions. Why won't you share? It's better than you think. Jesus is better than you think. I'm looking at Marie. Can I share with Marie? Last week she came. said, my back, she's been in pain. And I said, hey, we've been experiencing miracles here with the altar team. And, the you know, God has brought healing to many people. Come if you have. She came received prayer, she told me today like over 80% better and she's still waiting for that like 15-20% God's healing guys you don't have to die to be delivered from your pain you don't have to wait No, really some of you guys know some church don't believe in the active works of the Holy Spirit today it's their theology they put big, sophisticated names to say what we believe or what we don't believe. And they have hindered the people from believing that God works miracles, God manifests his Holy Spirit. We are a prophetic community who believed God's word. That's who we are. It, we might shock some people who maybe came from certain denominations, but I'm just saying we believe in the fullness of what the Bible says and that God is alive, he's well, his Holy Spirit moves, he's good the gospel is alive Amen Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel We hope you feel honored, empowered and full of faith because of what you hear and we would love to see you at our gathering soon For more resources like this head to trpfamily.org